0: You know, we're start- continuing our theme on um, stories. So I'm go- I've got a few stories to share with you today. I'm so excited at the moment. There are so many great testimonies um, that we can share that are current for my stories. So I thought I had all these old ones in my, in my notes and uh, I thought I don't need these old ones. I've got some really good new ones. So are you excited that God is always on the move? He's always doing something. And it just seems like that every so often God just tips over a bucket of blessings and and all of a sudden all of these things start happening all at once. Sometimes it can seem like a dearth and that God's doing nothing and then all of a sudden stuff starts happening. So I think that we're um, in that season right now and um, that's pretty exciting. So position yourself for blessing right now because it's... I think the heavens are open and there's something in the spirit that God is doing right now. And if you position yourself to receive, then you'll receive. If you're expectant, if you have a heart of faith, you're going to receive it because this is a season for it. I feel that is a prophetic word for you right now. Um, I want to talk about spiritual warfare. I was going to call this message um, What to Do When Nothing Seems to Work. (laughs) Ever felt like that? (laughs) Occasionally, you know, you just think nothing seems to be working. Um, but I decided to just talk about the Apostle Paul and spiritual warfare. And uh, I think out and out spiritual warfare seems so, so foreign to the spirit of the age that we live in, really. But it's important sometimes to look back at the Bible. If you look at the book of Acts, the book of Acts is just one encounter of spiritual warfare un- after another, really. And um, Paul's ministry was full of spiritual warfare, Paul's greatest battle, I think, was in uh, Ephesus against the goddess Diana, and that was one of his greatest victories. Paul often describes um, spiritual warfare like this. He says in... um, He uses military terms, and he talks about battles and struggles. He says in 2 Corinthians 10.3, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Right. 1 Timothy 1.8... 18b says, I fight, fight the good fight of faith. So here's Paul encouraging believers to fight the fight of faith. He says in 2 Timothy 4.7, I have fought the good fight of faith. So a lot of um, naive Christian brothers and sisters often de- deny that we are at war spiritually. And when I got saved, I don't know about you, but when Peter got saved, definitely he understood that demons were real. Something could take a hold of his body and throw him on the floor and make him curl up like a fetus and couldn't do anything except think. Now, we would never... I hadn't met Peter at that stage, but there was something going, demons? What demons? Until the first night that happened to Peter, he'd never probably considered demons... Um, I went out, you know, with a group of friends after work one time and a guy spiked my drink. I don't think I expected what happened to happen. But I found myself in a fight and got free from a, a certain colleague at work, but ended up locked in a room and couldn't get out when a man just turned up and opened a gate and let me out. It wasn't until years later that I understood that was an angelic visitation, that God had sent an angel to open a gate. And... You know, so unless we um, become sensitised to the nature of the battlefield as the Bible portrays it, spiritual warfare won't mean much to us. And if you um, don't believe in the devil, some people do, say I don't believe in the devil, then the devil's already won that fight, hasn't he? <laughs> so we've got to be we've got to understand that we're in a warfare. When you get saved, the first battle is probably to come to church regularly, every Sunday. And I I remember back in Bundaberg days, coming to church was really difficult for some people. They get saved and all of a sudden, just getting up Sunday morning and walking out the door was difficult because there's a battle raging for the soul. And even though people, um, we make decisions and say, I'm going to live for God, the devil doesn't want you in church. He doesn't want you reading your Bible and he doesn't want you praying. He doesn't want you doing anything that's going to cause you to grow, right? There's a fight that starts, spiritual warfare. And um, so there's some fun stories about that, I can tell you. But Ephesians 6.12, which is my first scripture that I want to start off, Paul describes this. He says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. He makes it very clear that our warfare is not with people, you don't fight people on a one to one level. Sometimes great conflicts with people, you've got to ta- tackle the spirit behind it rather than the person. The person is not your, bat- your fight, the person is being motivated perhaps by a different spirit. So it, Paul says, You're not fighting against people, political institutions, or even personal circumstance. He says, Your battle. ..is with principalities and powers. And he calls it an intense, personal, close wrestling match with disembodied spirits. Now, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? How do you wrestle something that you cannot see? You know, But we wrestle. We wrestle. Things are up close. They're near you. You're wrestling against something. I never considered much about the spiritual realm when I was young. But it's interesting... I've had some interesting experiences. I mean, my, my sister, actually, who um, I have a testimony there, she had a uh, mastectomy just a week ago and the report has come back that she's all clear of cancer. So we're really excited about that. So thank you, Jesus. I know that uh, Sandra's friend, Sandra, just got a clear bill of health too. We've been praying for her, had cancer and got a clear bill of health, is that right? So that's another one. So that's exciting. You know, talk about the heavens are open right now. There's something in the spirit realm. Press in for your loved ones and friends for miracles because this is like something's going on. There's something in the water. <laughs> no, no, no. Right anyway, I'd never thought about the unseen realm much, but um, the thing that I really loved was the movie Ghost. Loved the movie Ghost. Apart from the fact that I thought Patrick Struck... No, let's not go there. Okay. I loved the whole idea of this person who had died but his spirit was still in the earth and he was walking around and he was trying to solve the mystery of his murder. That You know, I think that's that just to me is just absolutely fascinating. I just love it. Remember the books that came out in the 80s, I think, about um, what was it, The Darkness, something about The Darkness. What was that? Hmm? Piercing the Darkness, This Present Darkness, talking about the spirit realm. I loved it. The spirit realm is so real. You know, I don't know whether you believe it or not. I hope you do. You might have experienced it. Going back to my sister, we talked and shared spiritual experiences after we'd come back from an event out west and we had about five hours in the car together. And she said, I can remember staying in this house coming back from a journey she had been on and it was an old Queenslander. And she said, I was asleep. It was early in the morning and she was in one one of the... four bedrooms of this house and she said I, w- I got woken up by this gentle blowing on her cheek and she said it just was this gentle little breeze just on my cheek just and she said I opened my eyes because I was half asleep, I thought it was the dog and I kept saying go away, come on. and it kept blowing and she opened her eyes and it was like this little gold cherub with big cheeks. And it just smiled at her and just was blowing in her face. And as she opened her eyes and became conscious of it, it just went, and it went into the top drawer of the cupboard. There was a chest of drawers in the room, and just went into the top drawer. And she said, "I never understood it." And she said, "We talked about it. Possibility. We think that in the in perhaps back in the early hundreds, 1900s, possibly a child had been kept in a." Um, They didn't have bassinets and things, but was kept in the top drawer of a a cupboard um, drawer and perhaps had died there. But disembodied spirits. Something had touched her and she was aware of the spiritual realm. And, you know, I never had heard that story. I thought it was quite fascinating. I think we have spiritual encounters and we don't often understand them or what they are, but we know the spirit realm is real, right? That's my point. <laughs> so I, I, just loved, um, I just loved the whole thought. Paul talks about... The book of Acts probably is, is one of the best um, books to go to. Let's have a look at Acts 16, verse 16. Acts reveals spiritual warfare, perhaps unlike any other book. And, of course, many of you would be familiar with this passage... In verse 16, it says, Now it happened as we went to prayer. Very interesting, isn't it? Often it's as we go to prayer, certain demonic things manifest. When you go to push yourself a certain way, you say, I'm going to press into God. Oftentimes that's when the demonic realm will manifest itself to stop you. And he says, I went to prayer, a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who bought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. And this girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. Can you imagine that? That would be irritating. But Paul, greatly annoyed. Don't you like that? The man of God. <laughs> greatly annoyed. <laughs> we don't imagine that of Paul. Turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that very hour. And when her master saw that their hope of their prophet was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and and they said, These men, being Jews, these men, these people, it's them, it's these people, trouble the city. Would to God that we'd trouble the city. Come on. Would to God that these people, these people, come on, these people, would to God that we'd trouble the city. There is a spiritual encounter going on here because it's not, The devils often don't really care about you just going about your daily life. But when you affect the monetary system, when you affect and upset the equilibrium in the spirit realm, then you're going to find you all of a sudden will discover that the spirit realm is very real. When you start talking about Jesus in your workplace, you'll suddenly encounter, have encounters, spiritual encounters, disembodied spirits that'll arc up at you and talk at you and it won't necessarily be the person that you thought was behind. That nice person. (laughs) You know, they say, there's that person. They're so nice. But when I mentioned that, it was like another person manifested. You know, when you tread on on somebody's spiritual sore point, if you've been wounded and you mention certain things, all of a sudden a different person just comes out. And even the person from which it comes out of is often confused, not understanding what just came out of them. Because what happens, I find people who have demons or have demonic or have had very dreadful hurts in their life, are very good at hiding it. Devils are very good at hiding. But I love the spirit in this house because we believe the demons just get evicted out of people's lives as we worship. They come out when we sing praise to God. They come out when we pray. You know, you might, I don't, I don't think, well, when we even think about the spirit realm. Well we don't say, oh, I've got a demon. Can you please deliver me? Most of us don't even know because we live with them. Like Peter, lived with it for years, didn't know there was anything wrong with him. He just was a a play and stayer and just liked eating, drinking and being around girls. <laughs> Opened a door for something to come in. And so the atmosphere, we have to be aware of it and say, God, help us. I need to say, God, help me. Desley Birds uh, is a lady who was in our church in Bundaberg and uh, she had a daughter, Nikki who was only about eight, I think, at the time. And there was a young lady who came to our church and um, she had a young daughter, uh, Nikki's age, and found out that Nikki had been seeing little green things at the end of her bed for years, probably. Just these little things had come and just play at the bottom of her bed. And it's used to, she never liked it very much. And um, so they said to the mum would you like our pastor to come and pray over the room and we'll put the blood of Jesus over the room and evict these things, they demons, out of the bedroom. So she said, never heard of that before. So I didn't know that your pastor had a... a um, ..had a um, evicting demons out of the room ministry. But it, it certainly started this day. So Peter and I went over to the house. We did nothing spectacular, but we just went into the room, cleansed the room with the blood of Jesus, prayed for the family, for the little girl. And um, after that, nothing. Never had another visitation in the room. And as a result of that, this is what I think is interesting. Not only did they start coming to church, Desley and her daughter, for a number of years, but over the years, we're 10 years in Bundaberg, not only that, her husband wouldn't come to church for a lot of years, he was very resistant... But her whole family got saved. Her children got saved, which was more than 20 in her family started coming to the church in Bundaberg. Now, that, I think, deserves a clap because it got delivered. Her family, through one incident, through one encounter with a demonic realm, it not only just delivered that girl, it delivered a whole family. It's amazing. It's Act 16 all over again. And your deliverance can actually set free not just you, but thousands of others, heaps of others. Mick Kennish got saved in our house. This is all about stories today, so this is fun. Um, I hope it's fun for you. He got saved in our house. Mick and Lynn had come to church on a Sunday when there was a camp and all the men were away. And Mick walked in with Lynn and he said, I told you church was only for women and kids. And after the service, I said to Peter, "If we don't invite them home, they'll never come back," <laughs> because he'd already just thought, you know, had a bad impression of church. And we were meeting in um, we were meeting in oh the Masonic Hall at that time, Hall oh, there. Anyway, just goes to show it had no hold on us because Mick got saved. Anyway, Mick got came. I said to them, "Come for lunch." So Mick came in his stubbies and short thongs and brought his six pack of beer. And um, so we had lunch with Mick and Lynn, which was great. Mick's a great fellow, but never been in church, totally unchurched. Had a pretty bad temper. He tells later he came to church one time and he was really mad at the person. (laughs) Someone was following him to church and uh, he got really mad at them and found out then they followed him into church and then he had to (laughs) apologise. So Mick had a temper. But anyway, he would say that, tell you that story and laugh at it. He got saved at our table led him to Jesus and at the end when he, we said come back to church they so came back to church at night and Peter had a word of knowledge about somebody in church and he said um, with their hearing I think it was the trouble with their ears to, you know ringing or whatever it was and nobody responded and so in the end Peter just went it's someone in this section nobody responded in the end he said you're in the front half of this section still no one responded and in the end, he just looked at Mick and he said, it's you, isn't it? And Mick was sitting in the second row right there. <laughs> and, he got, and he came out, he got totally healed of um, his hearing because Lynn said when he went home, he turned the TV down. <laughs> Knew he got totally healed. You know, encounters, I tell you that story because as a result of that, Mick is an evangelist and has led personally more than 200 people to Jesus. See, it's not just someone getting saved. It's an encounter with the spirit realm, with principalities and powers. It's releasing people and it's releasing them from the influence of just demonic spirits that impact a whole territory. And your territory is really important. God says, Paul also says this. um, How do you know? Often you know um, that you're under attack. You know, he says... You've got to take control of your thoughts. It all starts, the battle zone, it always starts in your thoughts. And Paul says your primary weapon is the power to inspect and take your thoughts captive as they enter your mind. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See, a stronghold has a stronghold. It's a pattern of thinking. It's not just a pattern of thinking, but it also impacts your feelings and your behaviour. And God says that you've got to take your thoughts captive. You've got to be able to dissect your thoughts enough to realise that what you're thinking is anti-God. And most of the time we don't. We just go our merry way going, oh, that's just me. No, it's not just you. It's not you. The whole thing about getting saved is that you must be conformed to the image of Christ. People tell me all the time, but this is who I am. I'm going, no, it's not who you are. Who you are is who this book tells you you are. This is who you are. You are created in the image of God. What you do now that is not in conformity with the word is not from God. And it's your job to recognise those patterns of thoughts, those feelings and those behaviours and evict them out of your life. And when you evict them out of your life, What happens is the whole spirit realm around you, just like that fortune-telling girl, the whole spirit realm gets shaken up and then often what happens, it's like you take one apple out of a tree and you shake it in the whole tree. All the apples start falling out. The fruit that will come because of you conforming to the word of the Lord is amazing, can be Peter and I ourselves out of our lives I think have seen, we've led, I've told you the story, in the 10 years we're in Bundaberg we ask God for one family every year. So we have this wonderful story that we led our butcher, our baker and our candlestick maker. (laughs) We didn't have the candlestick maker. But I can remember walking in and talking to the butcher one day. And I I was handing out a magazine at that time because we had the New Way of Living magazine. Gave him the magazine. I used to get my meat from him, talk about the church. One day I walked in and he just was really sad and I said, you look unhappy. He said, my wife's just left me. I said, you need to come to dinner, which is what I do all the time. I tell people all the time they come to dinner. (laughs) So they'd come to dinner. We led him to Jesus. So we got our butcher. We got our greengrocer, and his wife. She got saved. We had our solicitor when we bought our block of land. He was Catholic, very staunch Catholic. And Peter would talk to him at the door. One day he said to Peter, you know more about your, my faith than I do. He said, I'm going to go back to church. We never saw him for years after we got our land. He moved out of the town, but he came to church when he was there. And years later, we'd prayed for his wife at the dinner table because she had a migraine headache so bad. She was, Peter grabbed a hand over the table and just prayed for her. She got completely delivered. They couldn't have children. And um, we met up with them years later. They live on the north coast. He got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues sitting under a tree in Fiji. (laughs) Came back and joined a COC church. I mean, the influence that you have, shake the tree. If you shake the spirit realm, if you get delivered yourself, then the tree gets shaken. If you take control of your thoughts and you impact... You know, the, the first realm you've got to impact is your own head. If you can't change your own thinking and don't choose to, to change your thinking and don't think that this word has the power to conform you in your thinking, then you won't impact anybody else. They look at you. People look at you and look at how you behave. We were talking to someone the other day. One reason I called this message was um, what to do when, you, when nothing seems to work. People will say, if you live with disappointment, if you've had disappointment perhaps happen in your life, and God, you feel very disillusioned about God. It happens all the time. People in church, we go, we've lived in an instant society. We live in a a charismatic world, sadly, that expects God to just dish out the goodies. Sugar daddy. Oh, if I just ask God, God will give it to me. Well, no, not always. Always. And many of you can testify and say, you know what, I'm disappointed because I prayed for this and I prayed long and it never happened. All of us have got prayers like that. We all live with disappointment. What do you do? A couple of stories I was going to end on, which I'll touch on one. Look at Abraham. The amazing thing is people say, oh, he believed God for 24 years. Well, the interesting thing that God spoke to me about that whole story was the other day that he got given the promise... When he was 75 and when he was 99, God came and visited him and changed his name and said to him, you are no longer Abram, you are Abraham and your wife is no longer Sarah, it's Sarah, which means father of many nations, mother of many nations. Abraham and Sarah started to speak the word of the Lord that God gave them and in a year they had a son. See, the spirit of faith, 24 years they believed God, but it wasn't until God put the word in their mouth and they started to speak the word that the promise came to pass. They waited a lot of years. It makes me realise that if you want to have something and you believe God, you've got to do 24 times the amount of meditation as you have the speaking. (laughs) Because it's got to get in your heart so it comes out of your mouth. If you don't speak it, you will never have it. The spirit of faith is what I believe and what I speak. If you want to change the spirit realm around you, you must believe it, you must speak it. You know, I am delivered, I am healed, I am saved. It took me a year of confessing I am saved before I believed I was saved. You've got to change your thinking. Zachariah and his wife, Zachariah was in the temple. We did this at our Bible study on Wednesday night and he's in the temple Zachariah and Elizabeth had believed all their life for a child. Can you imagine the disappointment? The, the, the dismal, what did they do? The thing is, they didn't change what they did. He was in the temple at the hour of prayer. Very often when we get disappointed, we change what we do. Disappointment will cause you to do, pick up different habits because you don't keep your mind. You're in a spiritual battle and you don't know it. And your thoughts start to speak to you. And they say things like, oh, God doesn't care for me. God doesn't love me. God didn't do it for me. That is the essence of disembodied spirits coming and talking to you. They talk to you all the time. But if you don't believe in spiritual warfare, they're just you. And so it was, getting back to my story, if you're living with disappointment... And you feel, why didn't God fix this? I would say this, it's not about you. It's about how other people are seeing you in the midst of your disappointment. It's not about you. It's how other people, it's how your children see you. It's how they see you handling your disappointment, your pain. What are they seeing? Are they seeing faith? Are they seeing you wrestle with the spirit realm? Is it? Are they seeing you standing and saying, I do not care what I see, what I feel. I believe that Jesus is good. I believe that my God is with me no matter what I go through. And I tell you what, in Hebrews 11, there was a whole lot of people that went to their grave not having seen the promise. Does that make God any less God? No. No. It shows others that your faith, you held your faith through faith and patience. Even if you do not see the promise, you walk the walk of faith. That alone deserves a cheer because you fought the good fight. Like Paul said at the end, I have fought the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith take a hold of your thoughts, cast them out. Realise you're not just wrestling against me or nothing. You're wrestling against principalities and powers that want to take from you your heritage. And let's take everything that God has promised. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, is it? Verse 3. He said, oh no, 123. He says, all the promises of God are yes and amen. If you can believe it, then it's yours. But don't Negate the wrestle that you will go through as you walk towards the promise. How about we stand? Father, I just believe for your anointing right now to break off mindsets that have allowed the lies to just come around us. Right now, I believe for lies to be broken off. Lord, that we would understand that we fight and wrestle principalities and powers. And Lord, that you have put within us the spirit of faith to overcome I release that in every person right now in Jesus' name. Amen.